Welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, a podcast featuring intellectual table talk about race and sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert, a sexuality educator, writer, and researcher. Join me as I talk with the most brilliant minds in human sexuality, applying a professional Black lens to discussions about sexiness, health, and healing in the new millennium. It's TSOB, the sex ed of Black folk. Let's get to the get down, shall we? All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TSOB with me, Dr. G. Um, Y'all already know every time I'm on the show, I tell y'all I'm excited and it's because you know, I'm going to just give myself props. I pick out dope people to talk to, and that's why I get excited when I get to talk to them. And so today's guest is no exception to the rule. Um, in fact, I'm I'm not going to waste any more time and get into it. I'm talking about none other, none other than Dominique Morgan. Dominique is an award-winning artist, activist, and TEDx speaker, and they are uh, currently the executive director of Black and Pink, which is the largest prison abolition organization in the United States. Dominique works daily to dismantle the systems that perpetuate violence on LGBTQ and GNC, that stands for gender nonconforming for those who don't know, uh, folks and individuals living with HIV and AIDS. Partnering her lived experience of incarceration as a youth, which included 18 months of solitary confinement with a decade of change making artistry, advocacy and background in public health. Dominique continues to work in spaces of sex ed, radical self care and youth development with intentions of dismantling the prison industrial complex and its impacts on our community. Dominique is an NAACP freedom fighter, award recipient, 2020, while we was all in quarantine, she was out here getting the 10 Outstanding Young Omaha Award and um, the National Juvenile Justice Network 2019-2020 Fellow. Dominique is currently completing her capstone project for studies in the Georgetown University system involved LGBTQ Youth Scholar Program and... I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna just tell y'all when I first I had the first um, the pleasure to hear about Dominique before I had the chance to meet her. Um, she presented at the state summit for uh, Sex Ed Co- a Collective a couple of years ago, and just had so many amazing things. I don't I don't know if y'all have that experience of meeting someone and they open their mouth and they say things and it just shifts your worldview. I, I instantly that's what it's been like so I, i'm get get yourself ready buckle in buckle up and let's get into it hello dominique thank you so much for being on tsob with me how good, are you good morning sis is it ap- <laughs> good afternoon sis it's, it's so good day wherever folks are good, listening <laughs> good day to you and yours honey yes ma'am <laughs> Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Uh, thank you again so much. Like I said, I there, there's already things that Dominique has has dropped into my spirit. Um, I have the pleasure of having her as as an actual friend too. So there's sometimes she goes on these these beautiful Pisces sermons uh, on her Facebook, and she'll say a thing, and I'm like instantly it's changed for me. And the f- very first thing that I remember was the idea of system impacted. Right. Often we talk about people, uh, marginalized folks in ways that can be marginalizing. Right. Because we we use descriptors that that talk about them as 
as representing them having a defect or a default in themselves when the reality is that they are in fact impacted by systems. And so instead of thinking about, well, what's wrong with this person, thinking about what happened to them. And so even just something as simple as system impact, it was amazing to me. Um, but let me, let me just hush because I could gush all day and we don't have time. We're, we're not here for that. <laughs> what I want to do and start off uh, right off, Dominique, is ask you the questions that I ask all my guests. I want you to share with the folks where you're from, where your people are from, and what's got you thinking about sex and sexuality these days. Well, I am born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. Yes. Um, my way of knowing... Um, my people are, you know, connected to Omaha, and the people over at Ancestry.com told me my people was from Alabama. Um, okay. And that's really as expansive as, like, my people knowledge. And I'm, and I'm using people in the context, for those that are listening, I'm thinking of, like, bio family. And it's, and it's an interesting thing for me because both of my parents have passed. My father passed away about six months into my prison sentence. I was... 20 years old and mm-hmm. I'll be 39 next month and I think I'm a part of that that generation of black folks where we knew our parents just worked and they existed but we didn't really ask like deep questions and maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. really seen appropriate to ask deep questions of grown folks like you weren't mm-hmm. going to become your parents friend until you were like an adult and I think right. For me, that sort of climate robbed me of really knowing a lot about my mom and dad outside of like, my dad worked for the water system. My mother was, you know, even my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So um, I've actually been diving into, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent about the where your people come from part. Mm -hmm. But but that's 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 been major for me, especially during my transition, because as my body changes, and I see the way that I look like my sister, or I'll see the way I look like an auntie. It, that blood, that DNA connection just is something that's interesting to me as much as mm-hmm. what has really hit me in my transition, the impact of, 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 of gender DNA to other black women. Yes, right? Like, yes. like, like, so it's like all of these levels. So my people, the South, Omaha, but but that's been something that's been lacking. I think I come from a generation where we all were really kind of left in the dark about who we were outside mm-hmm. of who they told us mm-hmm. to be, but they didn't tell us a lot about that. And we just kind of were like, okay, girl, we just going to piece it together. Right. We just going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you clarify, before you get to the rest of the question, you, talk, you just share with the folks you talked about transitioning and what that is. Can you clarify for people what, what you're talking about when you say that? Thank you, girl. These ADHD meds ain't hit yet, so yeah, I appreciate you for <laughs> for, the, for us neurodivergent girls, honey. Um, so I identify as a trans black woman. I use she and her pronouns, and you know, for thirty seven years, really, in the world, socialized and was perceived as 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 cisgender male. Um, and so, uh, March of twenty, it'll be a year next month. Um, that I, I started my, my medical transition and then my social transition really started at the end of July of 2020. Yes. yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and the other part of the question, what's got you thinking about sex and sexuality these days? My transition, 
Um, I'm a Pisces. We love to fuck, and we love to fuck <laughs> passionately, and and like that's been like I, I'm I'm in love with Jasmine Sullivan's Hotels EP, yes! and like in love in a like that sister did something. <laughs> And there's she and, did. And and, and I and I kinda get bothered when people are like, Oh my god, it was too much talking. I'm like, if y'all listen to those intermissions, you understood that the Yes. Well, as a songwriter, a song is just my spoken word, put the song, right? Or my story and yes. my truth. And these sisters, these are songs, but they're 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 they're, they're heart songs. They're they whole songs, you know what I'm saying? Which sometimes yes. it's your heart song, amen. But there was one right. where, where the sister was like I think it's the piece right before Girl Like Me, where she was like, you know, sex became my superpower. Like that was, Ooh, I, I knew I knew I can uh-huh. do that. And so for me around sexuality for most of my life, and during my incarceration, it was like, I can be, I can be, I knew how to be sexy in a body that was very curvy and feminine that the world perceived as male. I got that. Mm-hmm. I understood that. Mm-hmm. I understood how to and navigate a high sex drive. So I'm in Dallas. I've been here for three days. A year ago by now, honey, I would have been fucking off the ceilings. <laughs> then this medical transition piece happens for me and the impact of these testosterone blockers and estrogen on my body, one has completely changed how uh-huh. I get turned on, what turns me off, how much I wanna have sex, what does sex mm-hmm. even mean to me? And, mm-hmm. and then on top of everything else, then my body is changed. And it's, it, it's, it's just been a lot of like, what, 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 what is bringing me to sex now? What is bringing me to yeah. like, what does that mean in this yeah. body, in this mind, in this spirit that I sit in when I just knew what my thing was? I knew what my, yeah. my, my ministry was in a sexual capacity. And now yeah. I'm very much like, hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So I'm in a very, I'm exploring. And, yeah. and, and I'm in a, in a, in a, in a every, things are more of a question than an answer for me right now in that space. But I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Because the blessing of that is when I was a child, when I was a teenager, and more things were a question of an answer. No, I didn't have the access. I didn't have the know-how to get answers. And so I just kind of, mm-hmm. on the flip side, I spent about 30 years really navigating sex transactionally and I really wasn't getting, I was getting the change. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. now I'm blessed that although there's more questions than answers, I know people like my good sis, Dr. Tracy, you know, the girls at the <laughs> ASEC board and things of that nature. Yes. And just in my own spirit being more connected to me to where I'm just like, okay, girl, you may this may not be answered for a year, girl, but you 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 know you have the you know where to get the answers, and so um, mm-hmm. it's a conundrum, mm-hmm. but it's like it's also exciting at the same time. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was gonna say that's absolutely resonant because I think, um, especially now being on the other side of forty, that that is coming up for me as well. Of like, my body doesn't respond the way it used to. Don't want to and act my, right. my whole attitude about sex doesn't do what it used to do. And and, and speaking of ASEC board, we we had Marietta Gary Smith on on last season to talk, and she and I had the same conversation about you know what happens when you you've rooted yourself in this understanding of your sexuality that you hit that forty and it's like oh no no nope when the <laughs> not Lord, anymore <laughs> when the Lord or whoever you look to put their hands together to create Marietta Gary Smith, they did something. 
They yes, did. they did. They said, you know what? I'm gonna take time. Because yes, the people indeed. deserve, huh? When they made buffalo wings, when they made watermelon Red Bull, and when they made waist <laughs> trainers, on that same day of intention and purpose, huh? They got our sis Marietta because that is a beautiful, that is a beautiful soul. That I just, I love her Absolutely. boots. But yeah, I just wanted absolutely. to say that. Oh, she's just, oh, she's just everything. Yes, absolutely. I, listen, I love it. And I co-sign. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know she's listening. So thank you, Marietta, for being who you are. Yes, indeed. Um, so you done set a lot up in here and I got a whole I'm lot sorry, of different sis. things I want to go on. No, no, no. It's great. It is great. Um, I want to have you real quick break down all the different things. We just talked about being multidimensional mm -hmm. and how that shows up in our professional work. So break down for the people all the different ways you kind of show up to life right. as a professional. I know you talked about, we've already talked about being an exec director for Black and Pink, but you mentioned being an artist and being a songwriter. So, so share a little bit of that with the people. Well, I think I was a songwriter before anything. I, I wrote my mm -hmm. first song. I was seven years old my parents got me the miss you much single by miss janet yes. jackson and come on and 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 that was back when the girls would spend 99 cents huh you get <laughs> the song playing. you Damn get the goody. instrumental and a sickening b-side and if they wanted to give you some razzle dazzle they give you the acapella it was just a moment and the girls don't understand um well and, everybody might can't be on these days and I, I listen, <laughs> but so it was like it was it was a time, and I, I also got a Teddy Ruxpin that year. And for those like Teddy Ruxpin was this teddy bear that, looking back, was creepy as hell that you would put really this tape weird. into. The lips would move and speak like a mini version of those things that they used to have at Showbiz for the folks who remember Showbiz. Right. And um. Right. And I, I, cause I didn't have a tape player. I'm like, why did they give me a tape and a Teddy Ruxpin? My mom was like, well, that play tape, so you be alright. <laughs> but but I just was you know with crayon and I was just writing I was writing parts of songs, um, mm -hmm. and 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 then I went into like group home youth youth justice youth justice systems at twelve thirteen years old, and um, that was around the time that Brandy's first album came around and I am mm -hmm. I don't even like using a Brandy fan I am a Brandy like. I worship in the house of Brandy, Rayana Norwood. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On a multitude of <laughs> levels, but like music kept me. You know, in the yeah. time, you know, in those group homes, I had that tape. Music kept me. It was, it was always, my anchor has always been music, but I never thought that music would be my anchor in the world. Right, mm -hmm. I, I was a I called myself a closeted singer. I had trained myself mm. to sing so low because I was afraid of because every, at the, again, at the time, presenting as male, navigating as male, not even like feeling the things inside, but not having words for it. I'm like, every male I hear singing sounds like Luther Vandross or sounds like, you mm. know what I'm saying, Smokey Robinson. And I've mm -hmm. always been on a, on a good day with some stretching, honey, a baritone, 10 or 2, <laughs> if the Lord's willing. Uh -huh. And so I was like, well, uh -huh. my voice isn't a singing voice. Like These are all the internal things. So I would sing to myself so much, but it still was my anchor. And in mm -hmm. high school, got in the show choir. Shout out to Miss Renchie at Benson High School, who cracked me open. Um, and then it was three years later, I was going to prison. And so mm -hmm. I, I continued to see music as my anchor, but it wasn't until I was in solitary confinement 
that, um, you know, I was trying to find something to anchor me. And I was like, oh, I'll just read books. Like, I'm like, I'm going to read. And I mm-hmm. had, I got through like two books and like the last chapters would be torn out. I read the Bible front to back four mm. times. And then mm. I was like, I, I, cause I was watching sis, I was watching these men around me. They would be the brightest lights you've ever seen. And it would be maybe a week later. And, and, and people think movies about incarceration do the most. Yes. I like, mm. I don't even, I don't watch mm. a lot of that stuff because it does go exaggeration, but I would watch people lose mm-hmm. their light. And I'm like, I gotta be anchored. So I just started writing songs. And at first I thought I'm losing it because I'm hearing melodies, but I don't hear any, but I, there's no music around me. I, I always right. thought you wrote songs and music. And so I wrote about 300 songs in my 18 months in solitary. Wow. And, and it was a bag of songs and deodorant and my, and my phone book is what I left prison with after 10 years. And wow. um, put out my first EP mixtape thing. And like that was back when mixtapes were a thing thing in 2011. And then, uh-huh. and then, you know, we put out my most re- recent project in December. And so music Which is phenomenal, me. y'all. Thank Make you. sure you listen. We're going to put the, inf- data, uh, the info in the show notes. Thank Make you. sure you get it and you listen. Thank you. But music, music has anchored me. If anybody, li- what I want folks to leave with this is that music has been my anchor. Um, and, and, and so when I, the other part, when I found sexual health, because I wasn't looking for sexual health. I was looking for a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No tea. No shade. No shade. Um, <laughs> it was, oh my God, I, I got to become an adult. I need to focus on like the thing that's going to let me retire or what have you. And I slowly tried to, I, I didn't recognize at, in 2016 that like, music was my anchor. I knew I loved it, but I didn't know it was like essential. And I started mm-hmm. to move away and then I started to feel myself kind of feel empty. I, I have access, I can pay my bills and I'm learning and I feel kind of important from nine to five. But at nighttime, I'm like, I don't know, There's there's, you know, you just eat something and you know that it needs some Lowry, something is missing. I'm like, mm-hmm. something is missing. And I took it to a to an to an extreme when I became the ED of black and pink. So it was mm-hmm. sexual, you know, it was music, it was sexual health, black and pink, looking at abolition, looking at dismantling these systems on a on, on what I'm, I'm I'm proud to say is on a macro level. And I'm like, I'm an ED of a national organization. Should I be mm-hmm. in the studio at night? recording songs should i be should i be in clubs singing on the weekend with the band and i reached a point where i was i felt so dry on the inside to use like mm. a term my mama would say um mm-hmm. and i was like what is missing and i was talking to my therapist and she was like well what haven't you done like what and i was like she was like when are you gonna put out some new music i'm like i, I ain't got time for that and she was like what mm. are you mean Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's when making music became a part of my self-care plan without the idea that I would put out another album. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to sound like extra, like I'm, you know, but it was like literally like, I just want to do music. Whether right, that's me right, just right. like writing in my room or whatever or going to, and maybe no one ever sees it. I, I spent two years writing the Pisces album. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I wrote, I wrote 15 minutes in March of 2018. So it was like, I held those songs because I didn't know it was an album. I just was like, this is myself. This is my dedication to myself to keep me going. And then I realized when I, the more I did music in a way that felt holistic and like whole self, I feel like my advocacy improved and the blessing of being able to do this work. And again, meeting fo- <clears throat> the blessing of meeting so many black folks over the last two years has made me a better artist. Mm. Growing up in the Midwest, growing up in Nebraska, in the place where Malcolm X was born, 
Right. I feel like Nebraska is still developing. We're still developing, like, what does our black culture look like, like, outwardly? Like, we mm-hmm. know what it feels like to be around each other, but, like, that out, outward, when you're like, oh, D.C. is Chocolate City, or, or you know what you're going to get walking through the streets of Atlanta or neighborhoods in uh-huh. L.A., you that's we don't we don't have like what that is for us and so my my artistry improved because i was able to see the world and that came through activism and so i reached a point it was that was a that was a long walk in my jill scott voice to get to your question of (laughs) you know my you'll see my work i've come out of my artistry around music and that can be performative art that has like an intention behind it where we recreate a solitary confinement cell and I sung the songs that I created in solitary, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm actively recording an EP of songs that I wrote in prison with an orchestra, you know, or you're going to hear, yeah. you know, I'm going to make a song that's going to make you throw that ass because that is radical activism. Um, you know, through black and pink in this mainstream, I think, definition of abolition and system dismantlement and being a part of the nonprofit industrial complex. So having to be culpable for um, no matter how radical I think I am, bitch, you still are a part of this system. You still are trying to work yeah. every day to flip these white people's dollars and make sure black people have access. I'm damn good at it, but I also have to be culpable of the secondary and the third level effects of, of, of when I'm not awesome right. edit and that's that's a truth and then the last piece that they that people keep trying to take away from me but i refuse to relinquish is sexual health because i hard fought for yeah. that position i hard fought to be at a conference keynoting one mm-hmm. year and then coming back the next year and being able to meet folks like tracy i met mariotta and and, and trina at that seekers conference when in my head i'm like Girl, why the fuck they got me here? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. in my head. And then I got mm-hmm. up and I spoke. And and it's just the power of black women and the power of and the gift of, of affirmation from black women that lets you know. Because a black woman is going to tell you good, bad, or in between. Even when it's bad, it's going to be like, you know, it's going to be with Actual love. Facts. And so black women mm-hmm. don't give away compliments at, at no cost. And so the times I've, I've recognized that I really am somebody has been because black women told me so. And so mm-hmm. like sexual health in that two and a half, three years of me doing that work, like that was my everyday work. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I, I, I never want to let that go. Even if that's yeah. just like, I never get a, I never get a check. It's never a contract. It's, 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 I feel like it's, um, it's been essential. And I also believe that work in sexual health, and I kind of alluded to that earlier, really gave me a safe space during my transition. I transitioned in the pandemic. I was home with when my breasts mm-hmm. were growing. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I understood why my, you know, all these things that I probably wouldn't have been able to process before mm-hmm. 2016, that work in sexual health did not make me feel as um, lost in an experience that I'm supposed to have ownership as it could have been. Yeah, yeah. And, and everything you're saying is so beautiful to me because I think what you're saying, what what struck me about what you're saying is the marriage between the kind of the, the work, right? The things that we get paid to do and the passion and how those speak to each other. And in a lot of ways for me, that is a function of sex ed as well. Like we, sex ed has been kind of this We've talked about it tremendously, this idea of this whitewashed, you come in here to learn these specific things, and that is that is your sex ed experience. And what um, I feel like you're 
uh, you're exemplifying and elevating is this idea that real emancipatory sex ed has to be rooted in people's lived experience and that it's not gonna look um, this cookie cutter way. Like I really, I feel and I hear the sex ed and you talking about how my, my this role as an educator was allowing me to be able to access this part of my life and how that became richer and fuller. And then by extension, that made me able to be more effective at this day job. And it's like, that is sex education. That is a form of sex education um, that allows us to be more fuller and be able to show up more Liberation, sis. Liberation. Yeah. The You Can Get yeah. It remix song with Mikey, I would not have put that song out five years ago. Oh, that I, song. Be, because it was like <laughs> you get around these sex educators and you're just like, yo, these are some of the most educated people you, you will ever meet. And you know when the conference gets down, somebody is getting pegged that night. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, right. you know what I'm saying? And it's normalized right. and it's beautiful and it's affirmed. And I'm just yes. like, yo, I can be sexual and professional. I can be like, it's so much Absolutely. to it. And, and, and I think my blackness was amplified through my sexual liberation. And the other thing that I will say hearing what you said around like what you get paid for, I think the benefit of abolition to, to try to challenge myself to dismantle like a need to engage in a capitalist society has made me re like like re uh, re rename what is paid for me. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like so like I do get paid in everything I do. It may not be a coin that I can walk down there into Macy's and spend. Right. But it's 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 I will say that I don't do anything I don't get paid for. Yes. And I, I should, yes. and, and I Thank have and I've been and I've I've taken the liberation to say this is what paid looks like to me. Yes. And I should and I, I'll acknowledge that that even even that idea of what you get paid for, there's you know, there's that white supremacist capitalist yeah. idea of that's what's most valuable when the reality is that that all of these things are really working together and, and this idea of what you do has to be this one thing. It's like, no, it is all of these things and all of these things fluidly together create the person that is me or that is Dominique that shows up. So thank you for, for offering that clarification. Um, and I'm realizing, I, I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna call this. Usually I have a good title already when people start talking, I don't know what we gonna title this, but that's okay. Call it all um, the things, honey, all the things. <laughs> all the things, the sex ed of all the things. Um, because I, I I see you as a sex educator. I know that is not like a specific formal role that you do a lot of anymore, even though I know you do some facilitation, but I see your lived experience as a type of education. But I'm curious for you, if you see yourself still as that educator, and if so, what is your sex ed superpower? I do consider myself a sex educator still, and that's when I was like, folks keep trying to take that from me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I just, I'm like, I work too hard for that. That's why I try to stay engaged and sit on the things and like, because I'm like, there's, I changed because of this. Yeah. And I want to continue to understand why this was brought to my, as a Pisces, we believe in spirit and, and purpose. I was meant, mm -hmm. cause it, nothing else should have put me in that work. If you, if you knew how I mm -hmm. got that job at Charles Drew, it's a story. Um, and I would say my sex ed superpower is that I love digging into the definition of words and why we use them. And I, th mm. and, and, and I think people underestimate when it comes to sex, 90% of it is about how we navigate each other before anyone's penetrated or licked on or touched or lay next to each other. And so mm -hmm. how we talk to each other, the things we say, 
how it lands, um, you know, that was something that hit me, especially with young people of, they're saying all these things to each other and then like one of them gets offended or such and such and such and they're like, everybody's like gagged. And so mm-hmm. my favorite moments would be, and, I, and we were on a thing the other day talking, it was like, you know, I was, and I would, and I worked in the, the schools I love to work in were schools where young people, they were pushing these young people out to these schools where they weren't even thinking these young people had the power I knew they had. I was that young kid. Mm-hmm. And so our, my favorite day was whole day. And I call it whole day because <laughs> without fail, we'll be in the classroom and a girl will call another girl a hoe, the boy. And then uh-huh. I'd be like, oop. It's whole day. And we stop everything. <laughs> and I write whole, big as hell on the board. And I'd be like, so what does that mean to you? I give the girls yeah. the Iyanla hands. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? First of all, right. why is... First of all, and it's so funny to watch and be like, why is whole written so big? You worried about it being written so big? You just said it 10 times, sis. You just said it. You know what I'm saying? But it's... <laughs> and, and so I think my superpower is like that like really diving into the word and recognizing that I can spend a whole day talking with young people about these words, but my belief is that they will leave understanding how they communicate with each other in a deeper way. And I truly believe communication leads to better sex, leads to better breakups, leads to better reasons why you're not the one. And, and communication with self more than anything, because I've I, out, out of all the ways that these Negroes done tricked me, honey, I done tricked myself with my own delusion for many, many a year. And, <laughs> and on, so, and so, on. yeah, I think that's my ministry, um, and being open to saying that I also think about that because I recognize as a kid that grew up in the system and someone who spent their twenties in the system, most many of my definitions were given to me from a space of white supremacy and my own oppression. And so mm-hmm. I've had to do that mm-hmm. for my own liberation to make sure like I'm using this word, is this something that, that still is valid to me in the body I live in, in the power and the access I have. And so yeah. leaving that in the sex ed, I believe I've had some I've had some some cute moments in, in my yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and as you were talking, it came up to me more, even more fully, um, to me, I see as one of your superpowers powers is the ways that you take all of it to be educational, right? Like, I like I re- think about all the themes that you just talked about that are in your music, and I think about all the ways that you use even your work with Black and Pink, your administrative work, to be enlightening to people. Like, even like I just mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, your Facebook threads where you just have these flights of consciousness you're just like sharing and you're spitting all of these things that that absolutely relate to sexual development they relate to sexual health they relate to growth and so absolutely absolutely i see that um so i want to I want to talk a little bit about, because one of the reasons I wanted you on the show and I told you about this was that you have been one of the few people, but I I think one of the most important voices to talk about the relationship between sex ed and abolition and to talk about the ways that sex ed can be used to support that movement. So can you share a little bit more of your perspective on that and kind of what what do you think that looks like in terms of its application in the present day? There was an aha moment when I was, um, oh Jesus, I'm not gonna cry. Um, there was a moment when I first started in sexual health, and as as this you know this poor kid, like I you know like six months before I had the job, like my water was off. I was showering at the gym. I was just like, Lord, I will pour the coffee at the nonprofit agency. 
and I squeaked by with this, with this, with this, with this undergrad. And the lady who used to help me with my light assistance 10 years before hired me at the hospital. She was hired as, shout out to Ants Mostly, shout out to white women who do white women shit, but are always working to be better at white women shit. Yes, absolutely. She positioned me, but I was, I was feeling dry again because I'm like, I'm doing this thing, but I don't get how it's aligning. And I didn't, I can't say I definitely had a word of what my passion was. I just knew there's, there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And I'm a and I'm a bitch that believes in breakfast. Don't tell me you're having breakfast. <laughs> if any and of y'all you just know, need some Danish. If any of y'all know who created Continental Breakfast, count your days. Because <laughs> when I see you, it's smoke in the street, sis. Right. And so there was there was a there was a there was a professional development, and they were like, "Oh, it's con." They text me, "It's Continental Breakfast." I'm like, "Oh, child, I'm stopping through McDonald's to get my sandwich." And right. Anne texted me, she was like, you need to get here. There's this person about to speak. And it was Lex James. And I, Dr. Lex, yes. Dr. Lex James. Yes. Um, Dr. And I Lex walked Brown into, James. Brown Absolutely. James. And I walked in the room and I was like, a black lady is leading this? I said, girl. Mm-hmm. Baby, I was so delicate taking that wrapper off that Chris sandwich because I didn't want to be disrespectful, huh? Um, <laughs> and I just was in shock at how incredibly intelligent she, and, and I'm not saying intelligent like when people are like, oh, you're smart. I mean like, right. I'm like, I'm watching a genius. Like, oh, does, yeah. does that make sense? Not like you speak well. Absolutely. I'm like, she's so fucking powerful. And I'm like, I wanna be like her. Like that's how I felt in that moment. And I remember, how I like after I was able to speak with her and there's a picture we have on Facebook and I've really struggled with like pictures of me before transition like that you know do I take them down what do I do with them because that moment changed me forever because Mm -hmm. what I felt with Lex in that picture was liberation and it felt unchained it felt it just felt like mine in this room full of white people that that at times made me feel so stressed and so restrained right there with her i was like jesus like this is freedom and so then that was then i was like okay so this is possible mm-hmm. and then ending up at black and pink so i you know I, I began to lead into my sexual health work and implementation from a space of liberation there why are we placing boxes in the work that we're doing to do away with boxes it's not making sense we're fighting for abortion rights and all of these things we're trying to take down these systems but y'all doing this shit in a systemic way come on i said now girl i don't have absolutely girl i don't have all the letters behind my name but one of these children are doing their own thing You feel me? I'm like, I don't... And you don't need lies to figure that out. In some cases, it makes you more incapable of figuring it out. But I'm I'm sitting in these rooms, I'm like... So y'all don't see that we are recreating the systems we're trying to dismantle. And because we think that we... Because y'all hunger for systems, because all of you white women benefit from systems, but y'all feel like if you develop a system in your radical feminism, the system don't hit the same. It don't harm the same. And I'm just like, child, this is a hot-ass mess. (laughs) And and so, like, you know, and then the work continued. And then I'm at Black and Pink, and I find abolition. And, 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 and I was like, yo, so you mean to tell me 
It's like that meme of that of, of the little, little 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 pretty chocolate boy, and the white woman is standing there offering him something. And he's yes. looking at her like, "Girl, what? I feel like it's some foolery <laughs> afoot." And I'm right. like, "So you mean to tell me that I can lean on people? I can believe in community, and I don't have to depend on systems of harm, beliefs of harm." words of harm that will prevent I, me from having the community that I, I that I so much I, like I'm so hungry for you mean that's that's possible there's words for that right. there's people that's who believe thing. in that yeah. and and that's where it all came together was like and so I'm at black and pink and I'm like why aren't we talking about sexual health and like what do you mean I'm like sexual health in the purest forms that I've been able to experience is based in freedom and liberation and liberation doesn't mean that you willy nilly doing shit actually from what I under, from what I've been able to experience is the more liberation the more autonomy you have the more accountable you are it's just that you mostly in your accountability you're more accountable to the people you want to be in community with than yourself yeah. but it's a reciprocal accountability right and and so and so like people think I it's I was like oh I can do away with this, with this individual definition of liberation. It will allow me to have a community-based definition that will benefit fit us all, right? And so that's when I was like, I have to talk about this more. And and I think the first moment that I was able to really bring it together, and I was nervous as hell, was the was the Seekers Conference in twenty, I think it was twenty eighteen, that I was mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. keynote because I'm like, yo, I need y'all to know that the work that y'all do every day, that y'all have studied, you've given your life to, is a tool to dismantle these systems that are harming people every day. You are, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a comic book girl. And in Avengers Endgame, honey, in that first one, when Thor came out of the sky and hit that whole ground with lightning and all the girls had to scatter, <laughs> You know, or in the Power Rangers, just when them girls are getting their asses whooped and that six Power Ranger, nobody knew about pops up to really bring the girls what they needed uh -huh. to have. Sexual health is that girl. And y'all are over <laughs> and y'all are over here doing this work in these incredible ways. You got these white women that find sexual health at 16 and they are still donating and marching for Planned Parenthood at 70. Sis, I need you over here fighting mass incarceration. Sis, That's I need it. you over here looking at the experience of youth in the system because I promise yeah. you whatever is important to you, I can show you how you can not to pivot as into shift what's important to you, but whatever is important to you that you angle yourself towards I can show you how that power, how that interest yeah. can dismantle this system. And so, so, so liberation. Well, yeah, well, real quick, I, I think you actually are calling out something that I think a lot of folks in sex ed still don't recognize that we have. And I think that's part of the problem, right? I think a lot of folks, they've gotten, they, they were part of that first wave of, and saw themselves as doing something super progressive and saw themselves as doing something even on the border of radical, but then they got settled and they got complacent and they started leaning into mostly their white privilege. And so it became mundane to them to think of other things because they rested on their own laurels um and and you know i'm not going to call out specific folks but there's lots of folks that are still in our field who push back on these discussions because they don't get it and they don't recognize like you just tip the iceberg of what is actually accessible to us who are doing sex ed and you still think you're the future you still think you're the one leading when it's like you're missing it baby you're missing it because meanwhile there are folks like yourself there's folks like me there's folks like dr lex and all of these other amazing people who are 
taking us where we need to go and those folks are actually getting left behind. So I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but that's been my experience where there's a lot of folks who are like, wait, what? Intersectionality, what? Like they, that's just, they just, they don't get it because they don't recognize that what they did was just the little bit of what's fully, fully possible. You're, they think you're disrupting what feels comfortable and they're really excited mm -hmm. to feel in their spirit that they're radical. And it's, and also I think there's a realization that there's more work to do. And I think white folks, yes. especially white women, like big accolades for a taste of work. And so they feel, they, <laughs> so they, no, no shade, no shade, no shade. And they get I mean, in their feelings. we all feelings. like to be praised. You know what I'm saying? We like to be praised, but they were like, they were like, I was not racist today. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, but how were we, how were you anti-racist? <laughs> That part. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That and they'll be part. like, well, what do you mean? And so I think it's just that, you know, folks, you have to be excited to continue to be uncomfortable. And a lot of people, and a lot of people, and for people who have never really had to be uncomfortable, they're like, I don't know what you mean. And it's like, That's girl, it. in prison, I had to be excited to get out of bed every day because otherwise I wouldn't have got out of bed. But I had to be excited to get up and get out of bed and search for a tiny piece of change. Black folks, yes. we've had that experience of, child, I feel like tomorrow ain't going to be shit. But mm -hmm. child, let me put this feet to the floor because I'm going to search for it. We were used to doing that. The yeah. most, the most uh, privileged folks, they're like, I'm good. And so mm -hmm. the, they, they, feel, they think they're being harmed, but they're really being challenged and they're running away from being uncomfortable, which is where beautiful shit happens. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay, you brought up black folks, so let's switch gears a little bit, right? We've talked a lot about kind of the, the work of sex ed. Um, but just in terms of thinking about regular like black folks and black community, if you had to think of, of a thing that you feel like black folks the the space of learning the kind of the learning gap that we need or the places where we even get wrong around sex and sexuality what are those what are those places what are the things that you feel like what are the places you feel like we need to get it together we need to grow we need to learn we need to to get our shit together i think one of the biggest one of the like largest spaces and again my transition really shifted this because like there's a space of of, of being fetishized but exploring the ways that black men are excited to engage with me sexually with like not like in my transition made me realize that we as black folks in general think that by depriving of ourselves of things that white society has told us is inappropriate that white society does benefits off financially and otherwise that a lot of those girls a lot of those girls work to improve the process of girl you got girls that whole, whole ass phds to tell you how to tie somebody up and just choke them a little bit to where it's safe <laughs> that we have, we, in our anti-blackness, we think if we deprive ourselves of anything that feels good outside of what other people, our, our, our pleasure is not based in our definition, our pleasure is based in white supremacy. A lot of y'all are having white supremacist, anti-black sex every fucking 
day. All the that's, time. That's why you ha y'all having sushi sex. And what I mean by sushi <laughs> sex is that you can sit there and eat plates and plates of sushi and feel full as hell. And an hour later, you'll be like, bitch, what did I eat today? And, 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 and so we don't want to divest from that because we're afraid. And because of that, we deprive ourselves. And, and, and mm -hmm. I, I believe we do harm through that deprivation. And that harm comes up on, the, on one end of we just aren't exploring our, our joy and our pleasure all the way to, you know, the impact of black men killing black trans women in the streets all the way to mm -hmm. black you know these the, the the ways that we have harmed black cisgender black women and the the the, the way we've created around you know competition and all that shit to where there's this, this moment of black trans women and cisgender black women and all like all the things that you see i believe yeah. comes out of this idea that we only get one thing be happy with that one thing and usually that mm -hmm. one thing has been given to us by the very people that have enslaved us and and have mm -hmm. benefited from our harm and we are like centuries mm -hmm. into this shit and we and ain't nobody said well boy if you like a little something in your butt get your life come on yes the fuck you know what yes. i'm saying so that's i think yes. that's 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 our biggest barrier i love that i love that and that yeah that that's absolutely something i think about and i think very often too about how um my thoughts are escaping me. Maybe I'll go to my next question. It'll come back to me. Why, wh why do you think that is? Because I also feel like a lot of folks are starting to see, like we're trying to hang on to standards that really were never meant for us and they're not beneficial to us, but folks still want to hang on to it. Why do you think that is? What do you think that's about, that people still want to hang on to these things? Because I believe as humans, we inherently don't want to be othered and we want to be successful. But we are positioned to not be othered and be successful by a ruler that is not built for us to be successful on. So it's like mm -hmm. the roadrunner, honey, always trying to get, um, I mean, why, Wiley Coyote trying to get the roadrunner? The acne amble, anvil is always going to fall on us. It's never going to get them other girls. You know right. what I'm saying? And so there are a few of us who eke through. But, but if you look at the most successful black people, they are... I think some of the most unhappiest people because what they what they've had to do to be the most successful inherently means they mm -hmm. have to shed a lot of the shit that makes them them and, yes. and and i and, and i think we don't and i know we don't talk about that enough so i think that's the thing is that none of us none of us want to fail none of us mm. want to feel like we're the only one i think even in this space of liberation and being radical i feel the yeah. most powerful when i'm talking even just the two of us but when you can mm -hmm. get four or five of us in a room, honey, the key key is the key key. Why? Because nobody wants to feel like I'm the only one. And so for black folks who have experienced what we've experienced, folks are just tired. I just want to be all right. I don't want to be yeah. the girl out there in the street picketing and fighting. I just want to be cool and we're going to do the thing the way we do the thing. And so that allows that belief for me allows me to give those folks grace and understand their why, even though my why has shifted. Um, but it's really yeah. that we want to be we want to be good humans. And this is what they've told us being a good human looks like. Human is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I realized what came up for me, um, what I was going to say earlier, I think for me that the, the really fucking like the fuck, the, the mind fuck about it. That's what I was trying to say is that meanwhile, while we are doing all of this suppressing, we are inspiring like the way the folks that that aren't suppressing like we inspire a whole wave of uh sexual expression and sexual positivity and sexual affirmation from other communities who look at what we do and look at how we just naturally are and are like yes i get all my life from that and so i'm all, i've always been fascinated is not the right word i think obsessed with trying to show folks like listen this we need to get free because 
we are missing our birthright um is is the ways that we give up the very gift that everyone else knows that we have to try to maintain a standard that that we've never been able to maintain it wasn't for us it wasn't meant for us and it doesn't benefit us because like you said we reach it and then what we're not happy we're not fulfilled and and yeah so and that's what I wanted to and say. And reaching it nine times out of ten means for you to find somebody that, that's equally yoked means that your partner's gonna be white. And I and I and I and I pin that it. I pin that because um you know, Dominique's not against interracial relationships. I spent much of my life dating white men because I believed, for me, my definition was dating white men was going to get me to where I was trying to go. That was a part of my plan mm-hmm. of success. That's my truth. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. then it, it inherently positions you to not engage in the radical love that is blackness. And, and you can perceive mm-hmm. relationship as romantic. You can perceive relationship as friends. You mean Oprah's only black friend is Gail? <laughs> Winfrey, Gail, yeah, yeah, Maya yeah. Angelou, and Cicely Tyson, and and, right. and 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 two of the, and two of the mothers have went on the glory. Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> yo, right. You see what I'm saying? Like right. you have the most access, yeah, yeah. and so so that's another piece of, and that's the power of abolition to me is that I don't right hand to God. I don't want to ascend without my people because I know it means that I'm going to have a lonely, lonely existence. Same. So when Same. y'all see me, Same. when y'all see me, you're going to see me and mine because I don't want to have an, even when I'm not in that space, when you come back home, you're like, ain't nobody even messing with you like that because they just feel like it. And I'm like, the power of black community is too much for me. So if I'm a, if I'm going to ascend, Lord, if that's what you're going to say, mm-hmm. then you need to make it so to where I ascend with my people. Or for me, that's, that's going to speak to that ain't for me. You feel me? That's it. So that's important, that's I think, it. also. That's it. Absolutely. Kick it, kick the in and we all running in. That's it. Everybody. That's it. Everybody. <laughs> um, and I, I just really wanted to respond real quick to what you said, too, about loving a loving you said something about black love and I, and I think it's important to be clear too about the, the power of loving a black person, right? Because I think that's the piece that we don't acknowledge. The act of loving someone who society has consistently deemed unlovable, that is the real revolution, period. Whether it is yourself or it is someone else, that is the revolutionary act to say. And so I'm with you. I don't at all disagree with, you know, interracial relationships, I'm very critical. And this is also, I think we we share this piece of coming from the Midwest and, and recognizing that the dynamics there are very different than what that might look like on the coast. And in that environment, I'm very critical of saying, well, what is this, what is this about? Right? Like what, what, is, what is your intention here? What is your expectation? If your expectation is rooted in this relationship is going to either take me to something or take me away from something, then I, then I, I got questions. I I want to I want to tease that out, and not only in the framework of what do you have to give up because I think people use that and they're like oh well I, I benefit more being a white man what does your soul have to give up because as someone <gasps> who spent all those years with white men yeah the the person on the front line of whiteness that I slept with every day yeah they 
Mm-hmm. They they outwardly were not racist and all these other things, but I go to his mama house and I have to use the back door. Or the sister would right. put watermelon on the table, like, y'all really like this, right? And you and right. you have to trick yourself into thinking this violence. Or they invite you over, but they don't want to play the music that you like. Period. Right. Girl. It's, and it's always it's always you gotta go to them. They can't come to your neighborhood. Like listen, I'm they're not coming to your environment. I mess with Leanne Womack, but if I hear I hope you dance one more motherfucking time, <laughs> okay. it's gonna be some smoke. Okay. Like so it's just like and then you have to trick your and then that's how for me for me i just want to say this for the girl who's Mm -hmm. going to walk past and listen to this and send me a twitter inbox or send me an email for me what it did was i had to convince myself that this harm they were doing towards me wasn't harm and that i was making everything racist and it turned my discernment around when people were trying the fuck out of me to normalizing Mm -hmm. that shit and then yeah. it made me normalize white supremacy, anti-blackness as a way that I could harm other black people. And Ooh, so romantic on. relationships with white men made me the, my most anti-black. So that's why yeah. I look at white men and be like, he's cute, Channing Tatum, you know what? I see you, sis, get your life. Yeah, but you cannot <laughs> have any of my shaker pudding, honey, because when I <laughs> engage in the dark arts, of white sex, that's my truth. It makes, cause as a, right. so going back to what you said about radical love, if I love you, if I'm engaging with you, I'm gonna lean into who you are. So for me, if I'm yeah. laying with you every day, if you are, if you are entering into my body, mm-hmm. I, I struggle with how do I maintain this form of my black self that is the most version I've loved in my whole life. And yes, yeah. so 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 when you with Tyrone, Tyrone gonna put you through. You know what I'm saying? But I can tell you, Timmy yeah. don't work jobs either. And Timmy gonna want to take your car and drop you off to work. White <laughs> boys do the same <laughs> shit. But when y'all get into right. it, the white boy gonna use some language where you gonna have to square up. Timmy, mm-hmm. he just gonna have his mama call you and be like, you know what? He about to go to a theater. You know how the boys when they do the worst work, I'm gonna go talk to somebody. That's their word. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like it's it's different. Right. So relationships aren't better depending on the race of the person. Relationships are better right. because people know how to have better relationships. And so I'm invested in supporting black folks and having better relationships because I yes. want to do away with that excuse as to why black love isn't the common denominator. As a queer person, as a trans black woman, all these girls have been telling me, you know what? But if you really want a man that's gonna walk down the street with you, so you need to get you a white man. I'm like, I'm a, I, I, you know what? I'm gonna get by. I ate ramen noodles yeah. and, and 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 Cheetos for ten years. So you know what? I I, I know <laughs> I how to you know do what I want to do until I can eat the steak that I want to have, and that's just a non-negotiable for me. While I also respect, uplift, and celebrate black and brown folks who have find a walk, found a white partner that they love and they enjoy. I just want to make sure that your mm-hmm. joy is centered in your joy and not centered in giving them joy and, and you not losing yourself. Yeah. No tea, no shade. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, oh my gosh, I'm like, now I want another episode on, on sex ed in the Midwest. I want another episode on interracial relationships. I want another episode on all of these. <laughs> but um, I want to go ahead and give this give this a little bit of closure not not yet but i want to so i'm for the person who's listening dominique and they're like okay y'all have talked about a whole lot and so i don't even know where to begin but you have inspired me dominique to to begin my own journey of liberation freeing myself from these systems like they're sparked what is one piece of advice 
where where would you tell them to begin to to go on their journey begin with yourself and the parts about yourself that scare you the most begin there because so many people want community and they go to i want to get in a community and you find community but you're not ready for community and then it's community these people are messy these people are this that and the third and i'm like yeah things exist but for me the more that i've done my that shadow work my internal work i've been able to appreciate it's allowed me to appreciate love and enjoy some of the messiest bitches walking this planet you still mm. my sis we can still have a kiki or at minimum girl i don't want you having your things next to me but girl i want you to have your things um you know what yes. i'm saying like yes. so so that internal work start there because even if you're like you know what i don't have anyone this is the perfect time to prepare for what's going to come to you because what i believe is our, as black folks our birthright is community they've it can't not be our birthright because that. that's the thing they've tried to take from us the most it cannot yeah. be the key to our lord come on talk through me it cannot be our key to liberation because it's the thing they took first yeah people who study how to how to how to co-opt you how to gaslight you look for the the one thing that can be the the largest catalyst to dismantling your 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 defenses Absolutely. they Absolutely. separated us they separated us and so the, the 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 work that you can do on your own right now like you know i know the pandemic is happening we are not post-covid we are you know you know we are still going through but please take the time with 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 telehealth and finding a good therapist for me it was a therapist and a psychiatrist finding out i was mm -hmm. i was i was living with adhd shifted my life i thought i was walking around in the fog i thought that you know these mm. things and and slowly one by one i was like okay this isn't low-key those are the things that helped me figure out like my emptiness was not around not having money not having the cars all the things my emptiness was because my gender identity was not aligned with my spirit and my soul mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. that has allowed me right to show up as my whole self i love tracy before that's yes. my sister but the love is deeper because i'm deeper and so do yes. that do that internal stuff with the hope and the belief and the truth that community will come and you're going to be so much more prepared for it and then if you've done that that self-work the work that community will do on your spirit you'll be prepared for it because you've experienced being held accountable you've experienced being uh, as self as self-interrogation so you can receive it from folks on the outside and then community will make you better you'll have know-how yeah. that makes community better and it's a reciprocal yeah amazing relationship um that you know i wouldn't give up for anything in this world yeah 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 and what i also hear underneath of what you're saying is even just the willingness or beginning with the willingness to imagine it being part of community right because I, I i agree with you i think community and this illusion of separateness is absolutely a tool of of white supremacy and and people perceive themselves again as being successful that means i have to go away from the community i have to go be this isolated person and so part of that healing has to be embracing that community can in fact happen that it is something that is for you as a black person that it is something that you can have without the, and even with the mess, but that it would not take something from you, that it is something that you can have, and then being able to do the work of, of stripping away and healing the pieces of you that perceive that as being impossible. Why isn't community so, a part of our wildest dreams inherently? 
Why, when Ooh. we are training young black children, you know, we're making these, you know, they get into high school and they go through these things. Why don't we train young folks to hunger yeah. community as much as we want them to have a degree? Why? Listen, that's the question I ask in sex ed. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I say this all the time that sex ed that is not rooted in community learning is not emancipatory sex ed because and and that cuts against what so many of our communities came as. We we thrived on community. So this idea of I'm going to take your kid, put them in this classroom, I'm going to teach them what they need, and then I'm going to send them back to you. How dare you? How dare you? If I was a parent, yes, I'm going to resist to you teaching mm -hmm. my kid because you that my kid does, is not beholden to the rest of us. No, absolutely not. If yeah. you're not thinking about parents and not in this antagonistic way, but if you're not thinking about them in this collaborative way, recognizing that you may not have all the answers, that, that you may in fact need to equip them to be able to impart the answers that they have, then that's not, that's not emancipatory. So yeah, I'm, I, all that is to say, yes. Absolutely. What you're saying. 100%. Oh, my goodness. So I got two more questions for you. Yes, ma'am. Well, one question and then I got my sentence stems, uh -huh. my, my, my rapid fire questions. Okay. I want to think I want you to think about yourself in all the ways that you are. I feel like education, educator, artist, activist is so insufficient. But as Dominique in this moment in time, what do you what does it mean to you to be the black professional that you are at in this moment in time what do you feel like your significance is in this moment in time for me it means that i am god's radical dream my existence in the space that i hold there's a song on my album called i am and it was the last song that was recorded for the album. I didn't want to record the song because I didn't want to really put a ba like ballads on here. And, and, and I dreamed the song. And, and the next day, I was shooting the album cover that afternoon. I was scheduled to be in the pool in water for like five hours to shoot this cover. And I called Andrew and I called my sister and my niece and nephew. I was like, I need y'all to be in the studio when I put this down. And the power of that song is that, yes, I've worked my tail off. But I, real, I woke up and I was like, although my parents are gone, their prayers for me still exist. Mm -hmm. My grandmother's mm -hmm. prayers still exist. That mm -hmm. everyone, even people I'm not like in life connected to, their existence is making my existence better. And, and it was, it's a song about affirming myself, but affirming, affir affirming energy and community. Yeah. And so that song also was like, what I said was like, I am, you can't tell me that my God doesn't love me. You can't tell me that I'm not exactly who I'm supposed to be because I am a black trans woman that has eight felonies on her record, a black trans woman who's been living with HIV for 19 years, a black trans woman living with ADHD, a black trans woman that's, that has experienced sexual harm multiple times, physical harm, that's an orphan that adopted my 12-year-old sister when my mother died six months after me getting out of prison on a 12-year sentence, that sat on death row next to the man who killed Tina Brandon. I am a black trans woman sitting in downtown Dallas in, my, in this two-bedroom Airbnb, um, figuring out my biggest concern today is what do I want to eat and what outfit am I going to wear and how beat do I want to have my face? 
And yeah. that ending piece isn't that all of those things mean that success, but it means that there was a time when my biggest concern was if I was going to eat. Yeah. And so that for me, my mere existence for me is a radical dream yeah. that I didn't have. Somebody had it. People are always like, well, did you dream this? I didn't, but I've come to believe that it's, it was somebody's dream and, and maybe even somebody I didn't even know. And so, so for that, that is what it means for me. But for me to be a professional in a time where people assume this is a ripe time, this is this is this world is just as oppressive as it was 20 years ago. Do not be tricked. Don't ever get twisted. Don't be gooped, bamboozled, hoodwinked, jahuzi bopped, horn swallowed, if you will. To think that 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 this world is just like, oh, it's ripe. Ripe for opportunity is any time. Black folks been revolutionary, making the world change in any time. And it's just how I believe, how the ancestors, how power comes together. And so, yeah, that's, that's it. It, it. It means that people loved me and prayed for me that I don't even know. And that, and that my, my higher power said, it's, it's going to be so, you know? And, and, and so for me, yeah. that's, uh, it, it allows me to walk in a purpose that can't anybody take away from me. And that's, and that's yeah, a yeah, gift yeah. in itself. I, I think I said Brandon Tina. I think I said Tina Brandon. Brand, uh, Brandon's name was Brandon. Brandon Tina. I, I want to. My brain was going through some things. Absolutely. Yes. No. No. Absolutely. No problem. Um. What the? I don't know if you you heard this gospel song. Do you do you remember hearing that song? My mama prayed for me, had me on her mind. That song is coming in my head right now, and I'm just like, absolutely right. Like, listen, we are the fruit of those seeds that were planted every time they kneeled down in service to Listen. pray. We are people, the fruit of that. And for people who have lost their people, I say it because I, you lost the physical part of it, but their intention for your greatness never goes away. And Absolutely. so you can continue to lean in that. Like that's the importance of it, is that love mm -hmm. is everlasting. Love is everlasting. And, and, and I'd like and, to acknowledge that we're recording this on Black Love Day. My God. And we are recording this on February 13th, which is Black Love Day. My God. Um, so love is what you're saying is a word. Love is everlasting. And so that for me, I'm here because of black love. I'm here because of black prayers. I'm here because of black Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go on and insert a Karen Clark shared run right there. Go and put it. Go and put it. Go and get a piece. Listen, I don't have space in this room to run like I want to. All right, girl. <laughs> 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 All right. I got five sentence stems, which are my rapid fire questions. That's going to wrap us up, okay? So I'm just going to say the statement, and you're going to tell me what, what the first thing that comes to your mind. First one, sexiness is. Sexiness is. Me waking up in the morning, bald head, small head, no push-up bra, but walking past the mirror and stopping because I'm still sickening. Yes, absolutely. And not even still, just are. Period. Sickening. Period. Mm -hmm. <laughs> still I rise, tease. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the sexiest thing about blackness and or black people is. That we are so damn creative. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> my go-to for feeling sexy is 
like a silky material just on my body. It can be a little nighty I pick up from Walmart that maybe is a poly silk blend. Or mm -hmm. I'm in my house coat mm -hmm. right now speaking to you. I think I picked this up from Marshalls. But just the silkiness, yes. just the, the luxe of it on my skin. That's giving me, um, did, did you get the Astro catalogs? That's giving me Astro. The Astro uh, mm -hmm. caftan. Mm -hmm. Very yes. much so. Yes. So yeah, just that against my body. <laughs> Early in my transition, before hair and makeup anything, I would put on certain materials like that that made me feel very, very close to my womanhood. So yeah, it's a material moment yes. for me. Love it, love it, love it. Okay. Sexual freedom for black folk is achieved when? When we divest from def a definition of great sex based in whiteness and white supremacy. Facts. Yes, yes, yes. All right, last one. When I'm done being on this podcast, I will. I have a three o'clock and I'm gonna email them to see if they want me on camera so I can figure out if I gotta beat this face and put on a piece of hair or if I can stay all natural. That's what I'm gonna do now. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Well, I, I will tell you what, I am so thankful because I know your schedule is insane. I, I'm so grateful. Like, like you are a friend to me and Listen. you are a friend to my life. Listen. And if you ever need anything, absolutely let me know. Uh, you know what it is. But you know and what it also, is. It's uh, nothing. It's when you were like, oh, you think, girl, when? Send me the cat like, <laughs> what? Listen. Well, I, don't, I don't take time for lightly. I mean, no one's time lightly because I know we're all very busy. And I know you're as, as people are starting to see the light that I've seen, I know there is a bigger command on your time. And so I don't take it lightly. And that's that why, and that's why anything time. you need from me is yours because I know you will never try to take it lightly. Any girl, Thank I don't, you. I don't care because the work that you are doing, <laughs> the work that, 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 that other black women are doing, there are people who are gonna listen to this in Omaha, Nebraska, that have never, that have never, ain't nobody ever said anything about black love and liberation, and, and you gonna change people's lives with the work that you're doing on, on a multitude of levels. And I'm coming to Omaha. I live. Listen, I'm serious when I said that. Y'all have got a community thing going on that I, I love, like I, there's a special thing about growing up black in the mid, I'm serious about that. It we is. do not talk about it enough, it growing is. up black in the Midwest. And I, like, I feel the energy in what y'all do is very similar to what it was like for me growing up in Milwaukee. And I feel like the folks on the coast, they have their versions of it, but they don't get, it don't hit the same. And so I'm coming to Omaha. If I just got to sit and, you know, we, we sit and just watch people, like, I don't even care. I ain't even got to do nothing. But I'm, I'm coming. So, so. My, 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 my cast iron skillet stays ready to fry a piece yes. of chicken. Come on, sis. Amen. Amen. Come on. I'm ready for it, whatever it is. So we're going we gonna to make that happen. But Thank you, Dominique, so much again for being on the show. I love you so much. Yes, I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, y'all, I know y'all got jewels. So you go ahead and email us and let us know what jewels you got. Make sure you read the bio and everything in the show notes because it'll tell you everything you need about Dominique and how to keep up with her work. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thank y'all for listening and take care. You've been listening to TSOB with Dr. G, produced by Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert of Tembi and I. To keep up with all things TSOB, Follow us on social media at TSOB The Podcast, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For past episodes of the show, visit TSOBpodcast.com or subscribe to the show either on YouTube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. 
Now, don't forget that you've got homework for this episode. To find the downloadable worksheet for this or any other episode of the show, head on over again to tsobpodcast.com where you'll find it and any other important information from the show notes. And finally, do you have any questions or thoughts to share? Sound off by email at mailbox at tsobpodcast.com. Again, this was TSOB, the sex ed of black folk. Thank you for listening. Talk again soon.